What's up, guys? This is Vishal from Audio Rambling Podcast, and I'm doing something a little bit different today. I'm going to be trying to do this on a regular basis where I do interviews with people who I know within the music world. And the very first interview I'm doing today is with a guy who knows his mastering chops. It's Christopher Carvalho. Chris, thank you so much for joining me and being the guinea pig on this, you know, and uh, being here and agreeing to do this. So we'll hopefully get to find out all about you and all the various projects you're working on. So it's good to have you on. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, man. <laughs> no problem. Now, just uh, because a lot of people, a lot of people who are probably following this pod podcast um, and the interviews might not know who you are. So you, like me, we both went to University of Hertfordshire. Um, yeah. And you did uh, the master's in uh, music technology and audio engineering, just like myself as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think you might have been there in my first year because I did it part time. So I had it spread over two years. Um, and so that's where we met. And that's where a lot of, uh, you know, um, our kind of musical circle kind of started, really. Um, it did. Yeah. And so how what made you we'll start off there what made you decide to like go off and do that masters you know there's always a lot of people discussing in the musical world whether you you know whether it's worth investing your time in you know going to a university or a college and doing these courses or whether you know you get on the job experience so what made you decide to go with that course well to be honest um it's 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 hard to date back really i mean the when I was motivated to go to a university at all, it was only because at that point, you know, however old we were, probably, you know, 17, 18. Yeah. Um, I was already sort of well into uh, producing music at home, um, electronic music and stuff like that. And, <laughs> you know, I became a kind of obsessed with, you know, audio, um, yeah. not just kind of like, making songs or anything like that but the you know the science of audio like i was using reason back then and you know they have all of the synths and and i was looking at them thinking i want to learn how this stuff works like what, what all of these different knobs and dials do and stuff like that so i actually when i was at college um this was in carshorton college uh, we had like oh, yeah. we had um uh we had uh, one of these open day things where a bunch of unit universities would come down and they would kind of pitch their university to everyone there. Right. And, and I, in my, in my head, like, I didn't even know this was a thing, but in my head, I was like, I want to do sound design. It like, but I only, sure. I only put the two words together. Like I never, I didn't even know it was a thing. I was like sound design, you know? So I kind <laughs> of, went around the tables i was like do you do you do is there such thing as sound design they were like no 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 and then like i narrowed it down to uh hertfordshire and leeds funny enough and oh wow um they were like yeah it looks like we've got that and i was like cool i'm gonna apply for that thank you and then um you know i applied for hertfordshire got to hertfordshire and then but other than that i wouldn't i probably wouldn't have gone to university but like i went through the the so i went through the music tech undergraduate degree under the sure. sound design pathway because it was kind of like divvied up right and uh, i went through that and i was like oh that was that was great 
you know, did really well, learned loads and loads and loads, lots of lots of principles and stuff like that. Um, so that really, really helped my knowledge. Um, and then the master's thing, actually, um, I wanted to, well, because when I was doing the undergrad, um, I was doing a lot of Max MSP stuff. Like that just yeah. uh, resonated with me, so to speak. And like, I wanted to get a bit deeper into that more scientific, more programming side of things. So I actually started doing the master's and didn't complete it because for personal reasons, but also I just wasn't that into it at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of like every time I went through an educational process within side music technology, I wanted to go deeper and deeper and deeper and, you know, into more very engineering scientific things. Um, so that's kind of how it all happened, uh, from college through university, which kind of adds up to me now being a mastering engineer and knowing and being known for that and being known as someone who, uh, you know, passes on a lot of information about, uh, audio. So the, you know, I like being at the kind of intersection, you know, between like artistic decisions and scientific decisions and where the technology meets the art, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, and to everyone who's kind of just tuning in and, um, you know, that's one thing you do really well on your, um, on your various different projects that oh. you have. Uh, so digital music masters and unlock your sound, you give, um, you know, a lot of really valuable advice to people out there. And we're talking like all, all kinds of people from complete total newbies to, you know, people who are in like, you know, in the industry as well and kind of almost myth busting stuff about mastering. Yeah. Um, I mean, what made you decide to go obviously into the mastering side of things? Cause from my point of view, um, I, I decided to do <laughs> my thing of doing the masters at Hertfordshire was more a case of, I actually started off doing a masters in, um, 3d digital animation mm -hmm. of all things, and then decided, well, this is not for me. Um, and I'm no good at it and I've never done it really. So that was a mistake. And it was more like I music is my thing. This is what I enjoy doing. So maybe I should actually finally do something that, you know, kind of reflects that. And because I'd been at the university before I had a bit of a research round and I ended up on, on the masters and, um, you know, I've met, I've mentioned this before in podcasts and things, you know, and like many other people, because I'd been in bands and things, you know, you kind of get more and more interested in how to do yeah. recording and you spend a bit of time in studios and the whole mixing kind of thing, but really kind of, you know, the whole bug kind of bit me and just started getting into it. But the mastering side of things, I didn't really know about until I, I mean, I knew roughly what mastering was, but I didn't really know what it was until I went into kind of um, doing the masters and people actually explaining yeah. it. But what made you decide, right, mastering is like, what I want to go into rather, rather than say mixing, I'm sure you yeah. do mixing, you know, you do, you've, you mix a lot of projects, but what made you like want to specialize in the mastering kind of um, side of things? Yeah. I mean, I answered, I answered this question recently actually. And the person who asked me was like, oh yeah, all basically all mastering engineers say that it's, I think it's, it's a personality type thing to an extent, like, a mastering engineer yeah. is someone who can be who can be completely rational and objective 
whilst at the same time having empathy for the art and for the client. But knowing where to balance the two, in my opinion, mixing is more like, is it's definitely more taste. Like it's like at least 25% more taste driven and more subjective. Whereas the the type of person who becomes a mastering engineer in my experience with myself, but also with my mastering peers are the people who who understand and think about everything quite technically, but like I said, still have the empathy for the music. And going back yeah. to what I said earlier about like intersections and stuff like that, I think the mastering engineer is just the product of of that sort of person. You know, like they they just gravitate towards mastering. And to be honest, one thing I do like about mastering is that um is that like it's such a um a minimal careful highly nuanced art form you know and it's and it's as yeah and definitely it's like a balance between doing very little or barely anything or, or even nothing against doing something and doing the small things the, the way that the small things help the end product but also the creation and the responsibility actually of creating because the purpose of mastering is to create the masters and the masters are are exactly that they're the master versions of someone's music and knowing that you're the last port of call for, for for the quality of those things is a huge piece of responsibility and i quite like it my personality kind of maps to that i think and um yeah i mean i don't really know it's, it's it just happens that way i think i mean i like mixing um you know quite a lot and um and stuff like that but to be honest i love uh, for me being a mastering engineer is basically like being an active listener of music like i'm not particularly musical in the conventional sense but i do adore music and i do sure. adore audio and it kind of just makes sense that i'm a mastering engineer in some ways like when i look at look back at it retrospectively i'm like it just kind of added up that way and it kind of does for a lot of mastering engineers in my experience mm. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned the technical side of things and I think, yeah, that's, that's one of the things, especially at this moment in time and probably in the last 10 to 15 years, if you've been a mastering engineer and going forward is you almost need to be literally on the edge yeah. of technology with all the different, with all the different formats that have come out. Obviously we've got everything now being yeah. put online streaming. It's no longer just physical media. So I guess for you, in terms of the technical side of things, you need to always kind of be almost ahead or at least, you know, aware of what's going on around you in terms of, you know, um, yeah. the technological side of things. You know, um, I've, I've seen you post a lot of like helpful articles and a lot of like just, you know, helpful posts on across social media and in various groups on Facebook where, you know, people are always asking about what... <laughs> you know, what levels should they, should their mixes be <laughs> mastered to, you know, um, and especially because we're almost coming out where we're in the situation now. I don't know if you'd agree where we're coming post uh, mastering war as uh, post loudness wars short, sorry, where, you know, um, things are beginning to change landscapes beginning to change because of mm -hmm. things like Spotify, YouTube, all of this. So I guess for you, it's, there's always a lot of reading to do a lot of kind of making sure you know yeah. what's going on when the new platform comes out, i.e. when yeah. the next Spotify comes out, you know, if it ends up being the big thing. So 
how do you go about that? Is it just a lot of reading, kind of keeping your ear to the ground and trying out, say, new streaming services and just getting involved, like kind of doing a deep dive into what, like, what their technical side is? Because, you know, a lot of people won't know what kind of mm -hmm. what lifts or what levels you need to be mastering to for, for Spotify or they get fixated on a certain figure. So how do you go about or how do you make sure that you're kind of with the yeah, curve? Yeah, I mean, I keep up curve? to date. Um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to interpret all of this information with clarity, which um, not it seems not, not everyone can. Like there's there's so much confusion, confusion about this stuff. Like I, I get questions from clients and people um you know people that i know in the industry and they they're, they're asking me you know chris what what lufs do i master to and um is youtube going to compress my music and then and then i'm like well that's not actually what's happening what's happening is actually just management of relative loudness between songs you know i mean it, what's actually happening is no different to me listening to a cd putting another cd on and turning down the volume because it's just a bit louder than the other one is. Um, yeah. But a lot of people and a lot of, you know, kind mm. of misinformation or misinterpreted information, which becomes misinformation online, says things like, oh, they will penalize or compress your music. And that's kind of the expectation I'm saying to people, uh, no, that's not necessarily what's happening. Um, and that, uh, I mean, with all of these things, what always happens is an overcorrection. It, it like the pendulum always swings too far yeah. the other way before it swings back again. And, you know, yesteryear mm -hmm. it was like, Oh, make your stuff as loud as possible. Now it's like minus exactly to this number and neither of them are correct. You know, like when push comes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry. No, did you? I'm just going to interject here. Yeah. I keep seeing yeah. the magical number of and minus it's just, 14 and it's just, a lot. It, it, <laughs> I, I, I understand. I, and I, I understand that people want absolutes because it makes them feel safe. Like if they've, if they've mastered it to minus 14 mm. LEFS, they feel like if they've done yeah. a, a good job. Uh, and, and, and that's fine. I understand that it's rendering and doing what's best for that final master is a big thing. It's like... I just want to get it right. This article online tells tells me that minus fourteen LUFS is the way to go. It just it just makes sense that people just want to believe that. Of course they do, um, but it's it's just not that simple. And you know what 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 I'm seeing a lot of is like, oh yeah, they're they're going to compress it if I don't match this exact number. And I'm like, that's not true. What is that? What's actually happening is they're analyzing the loudness and then <laughs> applying a gain you know, movements on that file until it's at their level. Um, but when push comes to shove, you know, the conclusion always is serve the music. You know, like for me, it's like, look, just just deploy a handful of best practices and then master the music how it wants to be mastered, you know, without, without you worrying about external factors. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if, if it's supposed to be mm. X, LUFS or like minus X LUFS and, and Spotify turn it down. doesn't matter. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Like it's, they only turned it down to match their playback level. Anyway, none of these services are penalizing you. It's not, they're not the loudness police. They're just taking care of it. You know, like they're just taking care of the issue. So you don't, <laughs> you know, thus you don't even have to think about it. 
you know, I mean, and that's what it comes down to when push comes to shove. But obviously I have to stay updated with this stuff in order to contextualize what's actually happening and say to people, look, um, like I, I get people sending me stuff. They send me stuff and they're like, oh, Chris, can you check out this master? Just let me know it's okay because I'm trying to do my own mastering. And and sometimes in the file name, <laughs> they write minus mm. 14 LUFS version. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, great. You know, and then and then they say <laughs> and then they say in the email, Oh Chris, I I I uh mastered it to minus 14 LUFS uh like I'm supposed to. And I'm like, cool, but how does it how does it sound? Like if it, if you want to push it, if it wants to be pushed higher, that's fine. You should do that. And because when put and at the end of the day, it doesn't guarantee anything. Just because you master something to minus 14 LUFS doesn't mean it's gonna sound good. You know, it's not like LUFS is a good good relative to full scale (laughs) unit you know like the optimal goodness is that like minus 14 yeah that's that's not how it works you know so (laughs) yeah i mean i'm trying to like my my goal in general whether i'm talking about mastering or talking about audio or recording is generally to just clarify this information and clarify the hearsay about all of these things because you know a lot of it is is kind of um is misinterpreted yeah no it definitely is and like you say yeah uh minus 14 seems to be like this magical silver bullet figure yeah. that we if you if you frequent all the various forums and stuff yeah you hear quite a lot and i guess i mean do you think this is a bit of a hangover from the whole loudness wars because so many we've had to deal with it for so long and now like you said the pendulum's gone the other way that it's this thing that people are like well if i don't they they kind of almost perceive it as well if i don't go to this figure my music's you know spotify or whoever it is is going to do something it's just going to you know yeah. crush the living daylights out of my music so that people are really fearful it's that not knowing yeah. kind of thing and it's a hangover from the loudness wars that we've had to deal with for so long so i mean that's what it seems like to me i don't know what's your opinion is that do you think that's one of the big things that's causing it i think it's just uncertainty and doubt fear uncertainty and doubt which is just always going to be there uh, for everything. But, you know, it, it sometimes it evolves mm. into like conspiracy theories. It's like Spotify want the best listening experience for their users. That's why they make these decisions. You know, they're not out to penalize your music. It's not in their interest to make your music sound bad yeah. to, the, to the listener. Um, you know, th- their goal is, is a pleasurable experience because it means more people use Spotify. Um, so yeah, um, but I mean, it, do I think it's a hangover from the loudness wars? I think it's just an- another version of the loudness wars. It's the, it's like the optimized wars or, or the LUFS optimization loudness management <laughs> wars. It's just, it's just the, the, the prop, what happened with the loudness wars is, is like a bunch of people, a bunch of people making decisions along the the series of decision makers that went from music conception to distribution and manufacturing who believe what the what their executive peers yeah. believe based on uh based on folklore that oh people aren't going to like it if it's not as loud as everything else and there's never been a piece of data that would suggest that there's never been anything to say oh, if it's not as loud, it's not going to sound as good or people won't buy it. 
there's not a single piece of data that correlates that, that I've seen anyway. Um, but it, it's uh, that's all it is. It's you know when I before I got involved in audio, um, you know before I started thinking about it and knowing this stuff, I was listening to music on my Sony CD Walkman, and I would ride the volume buttons on it, but it was never a problem. You know, like it. I never even thought about. Oh, oh yeah, this is annoying. Never crossed yeah. my mind, you know, because and and in my opinion, that disparity between what the consumer no. actually cares about and what we think, or what we care about and what we think we should care about, is huge. Like in reality, normal people listen to music. They 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 manage that volume button on on their device or MP3 player or whatever iPod. They you know they just manage it. It's just. And and not for reasons that are just relative loudness between songs, but because they just walked into a train station and everything's a bit louder, or like because they're just tired now and it's the end of the day, so I'm going to start turning stuff down. All of these other real life myriad of factors that actually come into play, where and we're yeah. all just talking about this loudness thing, and it's become it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. It's become something by itself by just through conversation just through uh you know borderline conspiracy basically you know and in reality if something's quiet they just turn it up i mean but also on the on the other side of that it's um nothing's more annoying than something yeah. that's too loud you know it's like well yeah i mean uh ouch uh yeah. first impression of that song oh, isn't definitely. great because my ears hurt and now i've got tinnitus you know like um so yeah it's in my opinion it's just yeah. one of those things that are, have yeah. have come out of folklore have come out of conversation more than reality um and it's just blown out of proportion all of these things are blown out of proportion um no one the only people who care about the loudness wars are people inside the music business but not the actual listener you know whether that's yesteryear, whether that's the CD loudness wars. I mean, it makes me yeah. makes me laugh, especially today when people say, oh, I master louder for CD. I'm like, this, the thing with CD is the process of going from one CD to another is already disrupted because you have to change the CD. Like, you know what I mean? You have to get up, pull the CD, like, you know, eject the CD, pull another one <laughs> in. The, the process... Yeah. There's, the process between listening to one CD and another one's completely interrupted anyway. Yeah. It's not like just because the next CD is going to be louder or quieter, that's going to make a difference. It's another CD. Like uh, um, the person has gone into a mindset, oh, I'm listening to another album now. It's going to be different. It, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think also, and one of the things that probably got lost in the loudness wars and probably still does get lost is, different genres work in different ways yeah. you know different kinds of music have different ebbs and flows i i predominantly sit in the metal rock kind of world yeah. and you know you especially in in metal over the last 15 20 years the big thing has been you know you've got extremely extreme high gain distortion bits very very heavy and then you've got like you know quiet bits that come in be it the verse the chorus or the bridge or whatever and then you have a solo mm -hmm. or something and the dynamics of that at the end of the day i've I've always approached my mixing and, you know, uh, I've not dabbled too much in mastering because I spend a lot of my time mixing. Mm -hmm. So I try and stay away from it. It's just, you know, it's to try and let just everything kind of breathe and different, you know, different genres require different, different things at the end of the day. And I think sometimes 
that does get lost. And like you said, yeah, there there've been a lot of kind of myths that have just built up over the years. And I mean, I guess as as we all know, people who kind of people who either like music producers, mix audio engineers, you know, just mix engineers and masters, they get they're very obsessive people. And they'll kind yeah. of get upset, fixated on one thing, and you know, obviously, this, this, there's been this thing with Loudness War now, the, the whole kind of minus fourteen LUFS uh, kind of thing, um, and like you said, it's people just trying to find a safe space to make sure, um, you know, where they need to be. They don't because they're worried about being wrong. Of course, at the end of the day, but there's no right. Uh, and this is one thing that um, I really like that that you constantly. I'm going to say preach here because sure. it is pretty much what you preach is, um, you know, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. And I think sometimes people want almost a formulaic way of um, doing the whole music process from the recording all the way to the mastering, you know, till to the point where it gets put out and people want this very formulaic way of doing it. And so that they can, it's literally like they want to be able to kind of just do a puzzle and just fit the bits in you know and then just repeat but it's not music is a very subjective yeah. thing you know and it's just it comes down to the people who are working on it um I, I guess you know you you probably come across that all the time and it's just one of those things that you have to sometimes especially when people are starting out i think they're they're almost worried that they're going to make a mistake but there's technically there's no such thing as a mistake you know at the end of the day i guess i mean that's uh, and that's one of the things I like that you, you do try and kind of you know tell people is you know do what's right for yeah. the song um, because I think it can be so destruct destructive to someone especially when they're starting out you know saying oh you must do something like this because chances are they'll listen and be then they'll just forevermore get into the mindset of oh you must only do things mm-hmm. like this when there is no right or wrong answer so yeah you know uh, I, I very much agree yeah, with you on that a mistake is subjective as well like you know if we listen to the same song you might pick something out as a mistake and i think actually it's like you know what makes the song you know like that that uh yeah flaw if you like you know that for me that you know adds to the song or something like that you know uh, it's the mistake is in the ear of the beholder at the end of the day um some sometimes you know for <laughs> someone something with no mistakes is a mistake <laughs> you know um yeah so yeah yeah so i mean we'll now kind of take this into well a little bit of a different direction um but still relating to obviously everything we've been discussing now you've been working very hard and i know recently you relocated yourself up to the great north uh beyond the wall as i call it um you know (laughs) you're a brave man there i'm probably gonna get some shit for this but that's fine um so i mean you've been i know i I first started knowing of your work through you had unlock yep. your sound and I've been kind of following that and you've done, you've gone kind of the route what well, the way a lot of people are going nowadays is by, you know, having a YouTube yep. channel, Patreon. And then recently you, you started up, um, uh, as a partnership, uh, digital music masters. And I know you've just, you've started doing videos for that and a lot of tutorials and things. So how did that all come about? What, um, what made you decide to make the move up to Leeds and also yeah. you've got Unlock Your Sound, but what made you decide to do like digital music sure. masters so, as well? Um, Thomas George, basically. Well, um, I mean, what happened was, I mean, I've known Thomas George now for a couple of years or so, and we 
kind of discovered each other's you know content output um around that time he was very much in the early stages of him building his brand and making courses um whereas i was doing the same but Mm -hmm. my stuff was more providing services and we met a couple of years ago and we did a little bit of content and you know we suggested and kind of thought oh yeah in the in the future we'll probably do stuff um just because we worked well together and we were kind of Mm. similar page about things and um he continued making courses he he's made quite a splash on on udemy the course platform and um and then i think we kind of got talking again uh probably about a year ago and you know i was well into building unlock your sound doing a lot of mastering and he kind of wanted to do some uh satellite courses for his main course so like his main course is the complete logic pro course and he wanted to branch out and do some more specialized courses around that um and then he reached out to me i was like well let's do a mastering course because i put out a lot of mastering information and i thought i really want to just bundle of this information into a product you know into something that people can just buy and refer to you know go through and refer to and use as a sanity check and um so we met up i went to leeds for a week and we made the course and you know and i'd already been making tutorials and stuff like that and i thought and that course kind of went really really well and it continues to do really really well and then we made another one about sound design in Logic Pro because that's something I was obsessed about. And I thought I've got a lot of good information about this, like a lot of stuff that I've learned at university and for experience and stuff like that. Um, and that went well. And then, um, and then we just started talking more about like building a brand around it and building a platform and adding value to the courses, such as like, uh, more hands-on help and stuff like that. And, um, we thought, okay, well, let's get another couple of courses done. And then I started to realize that, well, first of all, um, things that unlock your sound were going really, really well. And, um, you know, I've got a handful of guys working at unlock your sound, doing amazing jobs, doing mixing and mastering and stuff like that. Um, so I, I thought, okay, well, that's going well. And I really want to build this platform, but it's going to take the vast majority of my time. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I'm quite easy to get up and move. And so I moved to Leeds, uh, which is where I am now. Um, moved to Leeds to just get this thing off the ground, basically make more courses, get the platform off the ground and, you know, and now two courses, well, we're about to finish yet another course. Um, you know, and it's going, it's going really well. And the brand is brand is growing. So it's kind of, I thought I know I know I need to go all in on it. We have to make a lot of content. You know, we we make at least two or three videos every single day, um, which is quite a lot. And uh, you know, it just takes a lot of creativity and a lot of hard work and a lot of working together. And um, yeah, so that that's kind of why I decided to do it because I knew that I, you know, I, I think I'm quite good at getting information down and getting it in a in, uh, down in a way that people can just follow and understand. And I, and what I know I do well is not, 
oh, this is how a compressor works and it compresses the sounds and, and use analogies and stuff like that. You know, I'm like actually teaching people, this is what this does. Like when the signal goes in, this is what happens. And if anything, I might be too technical about some of those things, but I try and do it in context of listen to what it's doing to this vocal, listen to how it's affecting the master and listen to how it's working the limiter after it, you know, that sort of thing. So I yeah. thought I might as well do it and it's going well. Yeah. And I mean, it's, that's like, I mean, I've seen the, the stuff that you've been doing and I think that's a great way of teaching people, like showing them the practical way because too often I find within music, and I find this across YouTube all the time as well, uh, is that, you know, people will talk about music, like talk about sound, but it's yeah. like you sometimes the best way of explaining it is just listen, you know, and yeah. maybe then be able to kind of like show. So by showing that practical way that, that, that you've been, um, uh, kind of the way you, you're doing it, I think it's, it proves to be really helpful. And I mean, it can be, I've, I've seen so many, people who've been working like in the music industry for years you know sometimes still have difficulty explaining how a compressor actually works and you know you could ask yeah. five people and get like eight different answers you know what i mean um yeah so i i think i think it's it's really really great um i mean with with doing the with doing the courses as well i you know um i know with your unlock your sound are you still doing um you used to do the um uh, the mastering reviews, didn't you? Your mix reviews that you used to um, that you used to kind of check through for for people. Is that something you're yeah. still doing, or have you? Is that still unlock going your, on? In the unlock your sound. I'm very much still doing that. Um, okay. Doing free mix feedback. Um, it's kind of a big part of the unlock your sound business and the unlock your sound offering. Um, mm -hmm. So people can just go to the website and um, you know submit their mix for feedback and at least one member of the team of working audio engineers will come back to them with constructive feedback. Um, yeah. So that's still going on very, very strong. We get a lot of that in, um, you know, and it, it helps people, you know, quite a lot. Yeah. So yeah, we're very, we're mm. very fond of doing that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just, I've just, I've been having, obviously before we did this, uh, just before you, so kindly accepted to do this interview sure. uh, obviously i was having a look around on like d digital music masters and i mean yeah you guys have already got a lot of content i'm guessing it must be quite intensive i mean having produced video content myself before for youtube it, it, it can be very intensive to do editing and everything but i mean you know you're almost having to lesson plan aren't you like a teacher decide yeah. what the course is going to be about and then film you guys actually doing it um but I mean, how's, how's that, how have you found that so far? Because, uh, I mean, it's kind of, it is kind of tied in with what you've been doing, like you said, with unlock your sound, Yeah. but it's, it's, it's a lot more just focused on the, it's focused on the teaching side, yeah. um, rather than the service provider side. Yeah. I mean, unlock your sound is a service business, um, and will remain to be a service business, um, with, with some content you know, in the, uh, at the sort of surface level of it, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I keep, I keep the, um, keep the unlock your sound YouTube updated. Uh, I'll be releasing some more content over the next few days on that as well. Um, but it all kind of, in terms of the courses that are relevant, uh, sorry, in terms of the content that is relevant to the courses, it all points to 
our online courses, which are myself and Thomas on Udemy and, and Digital Music Masters. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's intense, but the, the way that we, the, the way that Thomas and I do it is we focus on the courses and then build out to the uh, free content and stuff like that that we put out, um, like our weekly DMM show. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of content output, most of it from me is, uh, you know, a, a, a digital music masters thing affiliated with Unlock Your Sound. Like some of the DMM content goes on the Unlock Your Sound channel, um, but the rest of it goes on Thomas George's um, YouTube channel. So between Unlock Your Sound and Thomas George on YouTube, uh, you know, all of that will be available. Yeah, and just to everyone who's listening here, obviously who isn't familiar with with your work and with Thomas's, um, if you go onto Facebook and look for Digital Music Masters, uh, which is DMM or at Digital Music Masters, you can find there. I will put all the links up for everything in the um, descriptions below and also Unlock Your Sound. Just look up, literally just search Unlock Your Sound on Facebook. It's all there um so all of the, all of that stuff so you know people can get at it um you know and make sure it's easily accessible um and i mean in terms of obviously because you're you're very much working in this industry and you know you're you're able to ha make a living out of it which a lot of people really want to and it's a dream of a dream and some people did or some people are trying to and it's you know a very cutthroat industry and it's one that's almost shrinking day by day or it's changing a yeah. lot you know from what it traditionally used to be um obviously we you've brushed upon things like youtube there's patreon and you guys are providing courses and udemy which is the new big one um as part of that i guess for you how important is it is networking nowadays you know uh, talking to people online or meeting up with them and trying to you know come up with ideas either for content or how you can kind of turn things into a business opportunity that allows you to continue doing this at the end of the day well um yeah i mean everything that you want to happen is a transaction that that's going to happen with another person at the end of the day yeah. um so from i mean i'm a brand guy you know um a, a lot of people have said that to me i'm a brand guy i'm a brand builder or, or, or whatever and for me that is everything like you know my brand like everything that you've said about me is my brand like it's it's who i am it's what i believe in it's my values it's what i'm communicating to the world this is what i'm good at this is what i know i might be if if i can help you get in touch you know and the way that i do that is content output having skype calls doing podcasts um you know uh and creating you know creating uh situations where things like me partnering up with thomas george can happen you know like i'm always available and i i kind of had a i kind of had a a discussion about this recently with someone and you know that we got into we slightly got into the conversation about luck and you know, I heard once, and I can't remember who said this, but luck is where preparation meets opportunity. So for me, what, what you need to do in order to get lucky is be give yourself the, the framework or give yourself the sort of 
lifestyle or whatever where you can be available you know and where you can just uh make a decision and go in a direction at the drop of a hat because that opportunity is good but those opportunities won't be good unless you're communicating out to people what it is that you have to offer you know i see i get a lot of people asking me for advice which is flattering about like a lot of freelancers like a lot of audio freelancers ask me for advice and they they're like Chris, I've been posting and advertising and advertising and advertising and advertising about my rates and my, my stuff like that. And I'm like, you don't, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, like, and I see them do it. They post on their Facebook, like every other day, Hey guys, I'm available for business. Send me your whatever budgets. And I'm like, do you ever see me doing that? And they're like, actually, I don't. I'm like, well, because I'm not focused on trying to advertise myself and trying to get clients and trying to undercut people on price or whatever. I'm just focused on providing other people value so that they trust me. Like so that they build, I build trust in them for them to even consider me for business or even consider using us for mixing and mastering. You know, that's what the free mix feedback is all about. You know, like I make content, I pull it out there. I point it to free mix feedback every one of those transactions, quote unquote, creates the opportunity for luck to happen to the other person for them to think, actually, I think these guys uh, are trustworthy and helpful. And I, I'm going to use them next time. And that's how it works. Like, you know, simple as that. I mean, you're building trust because trust is what motivates um, people to use someone for business or to part with their money. So that that's how I see it. For me, it's built, it's about building brand. It's about you know, I've spent the last two and a half years like making content, getting involved in online communities because that's for me, that's networking at scale. You know, like it's just networking all of the time at scale. And when I answer a question and when I just constantly provide value, people start looking at me. They they start clicking through to my profile, to my things, and then eventually to my website. And they start to paint a picture about, you know, I'm open for business. I'm available. I'm here to help. And it comes back down to building that trust at the end of the day, like me just going on and on and on about what my rates are and how competitive I am or that I'm a, I'm a mixing mastering engineer or whatever. Hey, 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 that's not providing value to anyone. That's not building trust in anyone, you know? So that's why I'm so focused on making content because at the end of the day, we spend all of our attention well, a lot of our attention through the day, consuming content, consuming content, consuming content. And all the brands that are pushing content onto our feeds are making an impression. You know, you need to get in that feed in order to create a content to, to make an impression that builds trust in that person for them to, for the, for you to have the luck for them to, you know, consume you for like two years and then turn around and go, Oh, Hey Chris, I've been following you for a while can I get a quote or um, do you have any courses for this or, or whatever? Or they just make their way to my websites and take it from there, you know? And, and that's, to be honest, that's just my opinion on this stuff. That's just my, yeah, it's hard. Like it's, you know, it, I live full time on this stuff. It's difficult, but um, to be honest with you, like I just create enough luck in order to be lucky enough, in order to um, be, quote unquote, still doing it, you know, and 
that's how it works in my opinion. It might work differently for other people, but this is my opinion and that's just how I've done it. I think that's one of the things, especially in the line of work that you're aiming at, providing a service, yep. you know, and then also providing like educational kind of um, platform as well. Yep. Um, and like you said, you meant a brand. So you're very aware of marketing. And nowadays, marketing is a big thing with all the online platforms yep. just built for it. You know, Facebook is basically at the end of the day, one big marketing tool. Indeed. I myself work in marketing on a like, on a on a daily basis yes. not within music but you know that that's my job day to day so i'm very aware of how you need to kind of constantly be creating content because content gets consumed at an alarming rate Indeed. and then be able to and then be able to try and keep uh making that content you know improving quality at the end of the day we all start somewhere and you know i would ever say to someone when they first you know thinking about going into doing something you know uh be it making a podcast be it going onto youtube um or providing a service you, you're gonna have to start somewhere but it's about getting yourself out there Indeed. um you know and then trying trying to keep improving that you Indeed. know um and of course you've you've probably come across this as well on 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 the internet you know you'll get all kinds of feedback from people um and you know you and i are uh you're very active in and we both share a lot of the kind of uh groups we kind of kind of converse in or yeah. speak uh, make are present in on facebook you know the audio kind of groups like slate audio file and a um, bunch of other ones and you you see all kinds of reactions in there you know it's it's it, it can be quite amazing um and just seeing how you know different people react to things and how different people market themselves now i i i, I like the way you've been kind of pushing you pushing yourself and i and I, I always see that uh you when people are when there's a big long thread of discussion going on about something you'll kind of always try and keep, give things in a very kind of factual way not to try yeah. and you know get argumentative with anyone or anything which is very easy to do online yes. nowadays you know people are so <laughs> kind of um, based entrenched in their opinion that it's like their way or no other way and i mean it, it's amazing how especially obviously in like audio groups and stuff you know it, that's that, that can really be a case you know where where people will suddenly get really kind of like precious over their opinion and their way is only the right way so yeah i, I it's it's just interesting to see how everyone kind of pushes themselves markets themselves and yeah, it has become kind of a thing of like, if you want to do the days of working for a label or everything, just, you know, the work being handed over to you and you just can't worry about your little bit and then, you know, wait for the next project are kind of gone. You have to be all kind of literally everything, Indeed. you know, market yourself, <laughs> create the content and everything. And it, it's, I mean, you know, I would argue it's, it's, it's a challenging time, but it's one that, I mean, maybe you might you yourself probably find quite freeing because you can pursue what you want to pursue you know um in a way that you know you've got your ideas and how you want to go ahead especially with you know say the digital music masters and unlock mm -hmm. your sound and you can pursue that and make sure it it kind of follows your goals yeah so i mean you must find it quite freeing you know obviously it was probably scary when you started out and you're trying to figure out how you build up your customer base and everything yeah i mean I love it. <laughs> I mean, like, I I love, I'm so like, I mean, 
it's just it's instant market research like i can go if i go into a facebook group or i i don't know like i i consume a lot of the information as well as i create it so i consume the context of a conversation and over time i start to realize where people are starting to struggle just by being in like facebook groups and looking at online forums and talking to people um so it's just easy like i i create I, and then i reply and then I build more context. I see more of the struggle. I refine how I um, refine how I output my information, how I explain stuff. And then sometimes I'm like, oh my god, this is a thing. Like loads of people are asking about this. Make a great piece of content, you know. And then I make a YouTube tutorial about it. And then I'm like, hey guys, like I see a lot of people asking questions about this. Here's a video. And then boom, that video skyrockets because I read the context. I read the community, like the community kept saying on my feeds, this and this and this and this. I'm like, well, there it is. And then, you know, a piece of content like that might be like one of my most successful pieces of content just because I was engaged in the community and I, and I was collecting that context and I was collecting the, the uh, you know, what people were saying and expressing a, a certain need. Like that's why like some of my, most successful content is like my game staging and logic pro video i've also got a blog about it that gets me organic traffic every month like easy just you know if i, I don't have to do anything i could sleep for a month and that that those pieces of content are getting consumed but the only reason i can i made them in the first place is because i was answering questions answering questions answering questions and just collecting a lot of context and ascertaining what people's needs were it just seems easy to me all of the People are now posting in groups and quest uh, questions in groups and stuff like that, where we can all see it. So just tune in, you know, tune in and read the market and deliver what they want on, uh, deliver on what they want, and your brand builds from that. Um, you know, like another 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 piece of content that's successful, like on my blog, that gets probably over a thousand unique visitors a month by itself, is um, a piece of content that I wrote called "Just Because." Spotify, uh, uh, was it just because, yeah, just because Spotify, uh, normalized to minus 14 LUFS doesn't mean you have to. And I wrote a whole thing on it, but I, yeah, the reason that I wrote it in the first place was just because I was quite charged by a lot of the information that I was seeing said in Facebook groups. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm having to answer the same question exactly the same way every single time. I wish I could just copy and paste this. And I'm like, why don't I just make it into a blog? And boom, like that just gets ridiculous traffic every month. And, and honestly, that's just how it works. That's it. Like, you know, people visit my website, they become aware of my brand, they join my groups, they might join my mailing list, or they go to my YouTube or whatever, and the brand builds and builds and builds and builds. But only because, like, I just read it. I just was listening and, you know, created content based on what people were saying. Like, at first, I was wrong about a lot of things. Like, not in terms of information, but what I thought people wanted to know. Like before, when I started Unlock Your Sound, I wasn't consuming as much of that context as I do these days. So I thought, oh, people probably want this or people probably want that. And then I started making those pieces of content and they just weren't that successful. And, but instead of me going, oh, it's just not working or blah, 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 or blaming the platform or blaming the web or internet or whatever, I'll be like, Oh, people don't want that, you know? So I don't know. I mean, personally, I've, I found a lot of this quite easy in terms of like building up my brand, but 
I understand that I intuitively understand that stuff, you know, but if, if I can pass on anything to someone yeah. is, look, if you're in a Facebook group and you're contributing to the conversation, every time you comment, right, it has your name on it, right? So that's an impression. It's yeah. a free link. As long as you're giving value, it's a free link to you. It's a, it's a free platform in which to build your brand, and which means your reputation and, and what your values are and what you know. And, and, you know, but also the way that you word that thing, like be self-aware about it, like try and be nice and try and be constructive because that's how you're coming off. Like this stuff, this, these Facebook groups and stuff like that, it's no joke. It's networking 24 seven and at scale. Like you're not just replying to that person. You're also pulling it on this feed where everyone can see it and it's rubbing off and people just click on your profile. But on the same token, if they click on your profile and they find nothing there, nothing that communicates out that you do this and you do that and you take pride in your work and, you know, and stuff like that, then it just all matters, you know, but it's at the same time, it's easy. Like a lot of people ask me, yeah. oh, Chris, I'm not getting clients and stuff like that. I'm like, show me your Facebook profile. Can I Google you? Can I Google you? What do you have a website? Do you have you? Oh, no, I don't do that stuff. Okay. <laughs> like, but they care about it. They, they're going to click through <laughs> and find nothing. Then it's a waste, yeah. you know? And yeah. And you, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think you're right. And I think some people find it more intuitive like yourself. Um, you know, you're probably even more intuitive to it than I am. I've kind of learned over the years and okay, now because I work in the marketing world, it's kind of like, you know, these things are important, but I've hung around with, many other people like musicians or being in bands where the rest of the members, whoever it is, you know, have got no interest in that kind of stuff or just don't really want to do it or find it a chore. And I totally understand that, but it's like in this day and age, you can put your stuff online out there on, on the band camp, on the SoundCloud, you know, or on the YouTube, it doesn't matter what content it is, be it a new EP album, you know, like, like you said, you know, a service or courses, but if you don't kind of push it and if you don't yeah. get involved, there's no way people are going to find you. There's just too much stuff out there. You know, um, you have to kind of try and make yourself available. And like you said, yeah, in, in groups and things, um, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's very important to try and seem uh, kind of constructive yeah. because there are so many people who are not that and it can really scare people away and turn them off. And if if you're someone who's constructive who tries and answers a question, you know, for someone, um, you know, in a way that'll help them, you're right. They'll click on your profile maybe, and they see your link, and then like you know, next thing you know, you got a new yeah. like a new view on Everything. a page, you know, yeah. and it all helps you. So, yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you, and, and you're probably like constantly just always when you're online and away, you're just in the even though you, you might not be doing it right there at that time 100%. subconsciously you're always just marketing yourself and everything, so I, everything matters yeah. you know like you know it's i it's think just, about everything i'm like oh what are they gonna see like are they gonna you know am i am i exerting the fact that i do this and that i care about this and that i'm available um am yeah. i do i come across available to people you know and it all matters you know like um i have this conversation sometimes with people outside of music and, you know, they don't like, they let their personal opinion about it get in the way of a good business decision. 
And they're like, oh, I don't like Facebook. I'm like, but that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they, the other person is going to try and know stuff about yeah. you. Like let's, you know, let's say, let's say you are, I don't know. Let's say that you, I don't know, you, you are in construction or something like you're a construction company. Right. And I'm, and I'm, I've got 50 grand to spare and I want to yeah. invest it in my property, construct, I don't know, a conservatory or, or something like that. Right. It's 50 grand's a lot of money. Right. What I'm going to do these days is find you, is look you up. I'm going to Google you. I'm going to LinkedIn you. I'm going to Facebook you because I want to know where my money's going. And and I I don't want to just find logos and stuff like that. I want to know who you are and that matters. And everything that has your name attached to it matters. You know, everything. So everything's got to look look real it's got to look not great or like brandy or something like that it has to be in line with who you are and what your values are and what you can offer to the world yeah i mean from my point of view that's why uh i I, in discussion with my mate we decided we decided to start up orbital decay records with because from my point of view and it was i i did it more from a marketing point of view is i'm the one who's always been pushing out my friend's music even if all i've done is just mixed stuff or just being loosely involved um and yeah. you know a lot a lot of them are not they'll put it up maybe on Bandcamp and maybe do one tweet or one post whereas i'm like well if you want people to get more interested in it and try and get you know more then you need to do it properly and it just wasn't working yeah. for me doing it through my own personal kind of page and it's like well okay let's can brand it as like a project record label you know which it which helps because we are when it comes to there's there's like about three or there's about four or five of us and we work across each other's projects but it's very different genres but it just makes it so much easier so from a marketing standpoint i needed something to kind of embody that and you know, yeah. hence why orbital decay. So, no, I I fully agree with you in terms of branding and how how important it is. And yeah, with well, nowadays, it is one of those important things you really need to keep in mind of because you know that's how you present yourself online. Um, so yeah, you know. So I mean, t- we'll go back more towards like the mastering uh, side of things just uh, before we wrap up <laughs> now um there's um obviously um there's a lot of like talk out there at the moment there's a lot of you know one of the things people i guess will teach other people when they come into getting into music production is if possible don't don't master your own stuff if you've been mixing it you know it's it's one of those things you're kind of taught and it's one of those things I, i i took on board pretty early on and even if i can't go to another studio and get it mastered i'll get someone else in you know to to just who hasn't been working on it someone who i trust but you know um just because i've you know by that point spent i don't know god knows how many hours listening to the same riff over and over again as doing my headache but a lot of people are nowadays going towards automated mastering such as lander and stuff now yeah what are your (laughs) what are your views on it obviously it's something that i guess would be cutting into your kind of you know market share um and some people really like it. And I've seen, obviously, all the slick adverts. I personally don't kind of buy into it. I'd much rather a human being there. An algorithm can only do so much. But what are your views on it? Have you had experience using it? You know, what do you think of all this kind of um, technology? Well, technology is inevitable. Um, yeah. 
you know, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not going to be sort of like, oh my God, no, this technology is ruining. The technology is the most inevitable thing. Um, so any, any sort of personal resistance to it is not only futile, but also doesn't say a lot about me as a person. I don't think. Um, it's, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't even, for me, it's just not the same thing. But it doesn't mean it's bad. I think it has value. I think I think automated processing has value. Um, I just don't think that value is the same value as mastering engineers. Not to say it's worse, or not even not to say it's better either. I think for me, like you'll be surprised actually. I have actually, um, I've actually suggested to a couple of clients before who I've mastered for before. I'm like, well, have you tried one of these things, right? Mastering and other mastering engineers will probably, you know, burn me at the stake for saying that. But like, you know, because when push comes to shove, like these people who I've um, had this conversation with, they they a don't have a budget, b they're just trying to do it themselves, c they're just trying to get something on SoundCloud, and d they just need a fee- some sort of feedback. Um, I'm like, have you? Well, have you tried this? And they're like. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. I'm like, well, try it. Like, especially if you can get a free one or something like that, try it just to know what's going to happen, just so that you know what it sounds like and what it looks like and if whether you're comfortable with that. It also depends on how you define mastering, which differs for a lot of people. For some people, it's just, it's, I've got some tracks, I'm trying to get my SoundCloud game going, um, and I just need something that's going to, you know, optimize things quickly and get up to for me to get up in soundcloud so i can send to labels or pitch to blogs or whatever um i'm like great and they're like well i don't have i can't pay a mastering engineer anyway so cool fine then use that like it it might be helpful for you even for them to just go oh i uploaded it to to lander and you know um or another automated service but it, it it, I don't know. It distorted the bass, and then that, and that, and then I was like, "Oh, maybe I need to turn down my bass." So, it, as a as a as a feedback mechanism, it can be really, really helpful for someone. And look, at the end of the day, um, we all operate within consumer markets. The practicality and the speed at which these things happen will be a big factor in how successful they are. That's why they even exist, right? Um, so, it's inevitable. I think everyone should just figure it out for themselves. If that's the right service for you, you might, I've had people come to me after going to Lander because they want a service. They don't want just an instant product thing that they don't have much control over. They want to be able to, you know, the value that I provide as a mastering engineer is not so much about the the stuff that I do to the sound, which can often be very, very minimal. It's actually about the advice that I give, the service that I facilitate you know, which isn't just, oh, send me the mix or send me the mixes and I'll master them. It's I'm getting involved in the project. I'm advising, you know, I'm giving a lot of context as to why they might want to do things, you know, X, Y, and Z in mix stage to make it better and stuff like that. You know, it, it like I said, it depends what mastering is for you. If it's just something that you need to just turn it up for SoundCloud or whatever, and you don't have a budget, then by all means, otherwise get, get involved with a mastering engineer and get involved with them early like when you're recording or you're mixing, get them on board so that they can advise you because that's what they are. They are consultants. 
as well as the people who optimize and author the final master product. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fascinating stuff, you know. Um, and it's good to see you've got like an open mind about it. I've seen polarizing views of Outlander and other kind of such systems like that, but you expect that in this, uh, you know, it's, it's something yes. that will polarize opinion because of the way the technology is. It's just one of those, it's just one of yeah. those things. And you have people, you have the old school and the new school, and then some people somewhere in the middle, as is always the case when it comes to like music yeah. technology nowadays. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, for me, it's um, another point on that. Sorry. Just is that like, you know, you, you can, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, you know, like you can, um, I'm trying to think of a cooking analogy because they're always good. Like restaurants and dining at home are two things that coexist, as does fast food, as does vending machines, as does, um, you know, having a, you know, if you're fortunate enough to employ a chef to make your food at home, all of these services, all of these things have value for different people based on their individual circumstances and just how they feel at the time, you know they all coexist one doesn't just make the other one redundant you know they they just all have value in the industries in which uh they provide it mm. yeah no i i i i i fully agree with you on that and that that's a good good analogy to have uh you know um so yeah i mean that you make a very you make lots of valid points there and i i mean i i, I do agree with you on that um you know i guess cool. for some people obviously they they kind of again it's one of those things if they if they set their views in a certain way it can be a lot harder for them to see things from the other side um now obviously in terms of what you know you, you're constantly working constantly hustling you know uh trying to get your content out there um but what's coming up in in the future i take it obviously you've got constantly more content coming out for digital music masters as you mentioned but anything any other things that people should be looking out for from, from you and Thomas or just from yourself? Um, lot loads. Uh, I, you know, I mean, we've just, we've just released the mixing and logic pro 10 course. Um, that's just come out on, on Udemy. Um, and, but there's going to be loads of more content, you know, in terms of YouTube from myself and Thomas George. Um, but to be on, oh, also the Unlock Your Sound podcast is is coming soon, and you know, to be honest, I'm just you know, all of that stuff is just going to continue and just going to grow. I mean, that, but to be honest, the easiest thing to do is, for the most part, like just you know, get if you're on Facebook, get into the Facebook groups, Digital Music Masters, or and or the Unlock Your Sound group, um, to give people an idea of how to like compartmentalize the two. Digital Music Masters is more like content and courses about the production of music, whereas Unlock Your Sound, at least in terms of the group, is is a bit more nerdy, is a bit more involved, a bit more like mixing, mastering, heavy, um, and uh, but also Unlock Your Sound as a company is providing mixing and mastering services. So Unlock Your Sound as a whole, in terms of content output and discussion and services, is mixing and mastering. Digital Music Masters is more like um, courses and content to help you through the entire mixing, uh, music production process. Okay. No, that's, that's yeah. a good way of explaining it. So people know the difference. I mean, I would advise yeah. people to obviously go and like both, but if there's one in particular, you know, if you're looking towards yeah. 
more learning platform, go and check out Digital Music Masters, you know, um, and you'll be able to, I, 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 you, I mean, you're, you're basically helping people up from the ground up, aren't you? You know, um, learning from the very basics all the way up to kind of, you know, yeah, getting towards a professional level. So it's, it's, it's a great way for, for, for someone to start and a great resource to have if you, you know, if you don't, if you can't, if you don't want to, if you're not, if you don't want to do it at university or if you, you know, if that's not the way you want to go or you want to do it part time while you're, you know, working as well you can you know and the great yeah. thing is nowadays with online you can learn in your own time you know you don't need to kind of be constricted to a timetable so that's that's really good now um a couple of quick questions before we do wrap up um so what are you currently listening to are there is there any albums or any music out there that's like really kind of tickle your fancy or like anything you've been like you know what that's really good um you know anything out there you'd recommend to the whole world while you're on this platform um, I actually listen to a lot of client material, um, stuff from, um, at the moment, uh, Antiquity, uh, other, slash Gerald Deschen. Um, I've mastered a few of his songs and they're really, really good. And, um, but in terms of commercial stuff, uh, well, I say commercial, um, the, the new John Hopkins album is insane. Um, but to be honest i don't really keep up to date <laughs> like i still listen to old tunes um sometimes the old ones are the best the most, yeah yeah for the most you know for the most part uh you know for me music is not necessarily about what's now and what's current it's timeless um but yeah um actually as it happens uh i do have a thing called the unlock your sound playlist and oh yeah that is that's is a playlist that i've created and I've invited any group member to be a part of that playlist. So it's kind of an experiment, you know, in the group, in the Unlock Your Sound group, every so often I refresh the, the post where I'm like, join the Unlock Your Sound playlist, community playlist, just paste, you know, your Spotify link into the comments and I add one song from everyone into the playlist. And sometimes I just listen to that because um, it's just a, a wide array of music and a lot of it is just, obviously just music from independent people and none of it is released and it's just quite cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, music comes to me in many different ways and many different channels, like from friends and stuff like that. You know, Thomas, mm. <laughs> Thomas, in, during the day, Thomas George and I like whilst drinking untold amounts of coffee, listen to like I am maiden and stuff like that. You know, um, I've, seen, I've seen, I've seen on Instagram quite a lot. <laughs> there's coffee and uh, maiden, which I, I fully, I fully approve of that mix. You can't really, that's not the worst yeah. way to start your day with coffee and maiden. You know, it's, it's a good it's, way really to start the day. So I approve of that personally. Really helps the productivity situation. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Our, our uh, well, content think, output is much better for it. I'll tell you that. I, I think pretty much every almost people who work with audio in some way, shape or form are basically fueled by coffee. It's the only way they get anything ever done. Yeah. You know, the, the reason why the coffee industry does so well is in part due to the music industry. There's some kind of symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Indeed. Um, right. And final question. We're going to end on a completely nerdy one, you know, Favorite current plugin? Now, this is obviously a totally nerdy question, which some yeah. people are probably going to roll their eyes at. But uh, is there a specific plugin or suite yeah. of plugins at the moment you're using and thinking, you know, wow, that's it, or one that you've always had? You know, yep. 
really Which easy ones? to answer this one. Um, my favorite <laughs> plugin is TDR Nova. Um, oh, that's a great plugin. It's in, great yeah, plugin. I mean, for me, it's just, it's easily just the best plugin on the market. And the good thing is it's free. I mean, there's a, there's a paid version of it as well, but the vast majority of it is available in the free version. Just to give people an understanding of what it does is it by default is a dynamic EQ. Um, so you can EQ bands dynamically. So, um, you know, like if you, if you pull down, you know, three dB on 200 Hertz, you can also set a threshold. So when that bands level approaches that threshold, it EQs it down more, if you like, or it's, you know, a compressor inside an EQ band. Um, you can also set it up as a multiband compressor. You can also set it up as a, uh, as just a compressor. Um, and it can do lots of insane other stuff. It's really good for DSing. It's really good for mastering as well because I can control frequency specific problems um, that happen in a mix because obviously I can't turn down that fader, you know, at mastering stage. Um, so it's just it's just an all round. It's the Swiss Army knife of plugins for me, and it's incredible. It it is, and I can attest because. Um... Uh, my my mate Mark, who does the um, audio rambling podcast with me, he loves that plugin. He's used it on some of the stuff that he's mastered for me. Yeah, um, where he hasn't been involved in a project, and he absolutely loves the TDR stuff. TDR's got like a great following, and considering a lot of this stuff is free, it's just amazing the qu- the quality of it. So absolutely, you know, and it has a lot of love out there. And uh, I know there's like. I think they've got like the gentleman's edition, haven't they, yes. for certain plugins, which you can kind of get like the full fat version. Yeah. But even then, they're freeware stuff. I would recommend to anyone start, you know, if you're trying to build up a plugin collection, um, I agree with you 100%. The TDR stuff is really good. And uh, like you, Mark's used, used it in a master. I've used it in a mixing context. He's used it in a mastering context. Yeah. And it's just, it's very, very... Um, you can just make the most subtle changes and it will, you know, it it's very reactive the way it works. Yeah. And it's just a brilliant, brilliant plugin, really well designed, even from the GUI to just the way it works. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree with you on that one. You know, TDR, definitely go check them out. So yeah. Um, well, Chris, I want to just say thank you very much for, you know, stopping by and uh, discussing all things related to mastering and you know how people go about marketing themselves it's been absolutely amazing having you on and kind of you know impart your knowledge to everyone out there um and to everyone make sure you go and check out digital music masters unlock your sound i will put all the links up so you can check them out i highly recommend you go and follow and if you ever have a question about mastering go and ask chris he knows what he's talking about he'll never you know um, I've asked you questions before. Yep. Lots of other people have from newbies to pros. So yeah, once again, thank you very much, Chris. It's been great having you on. My pleasure. It's been uh, it's been good to be here. Thank you very much. No problem. Until next time, guys. We'll see you later. Thanks. <laughs>